Paul spent nine years in prison for defending his friend outside of a club one night, which led to a murder charge. The miracles that he saw unfold in his family and in prison after he allowed Jesus back into his life are simply amazing. One of the miracles is the woman of God he got to marry, Hope. The story of how they met and the challenges they face is one you don't want to miss. Today, we do a background check on Paul and Hope Lynn. Let's go! Have you or someone you know had your life turned upside down because of your past? Of course I have. Everyone does background checks now, which makes it hard to bounce back. What do you believe? I believe your background shouldn't hold you back. It, sh- it should pay you back. This podcast will inspire you, motivate you, and inform you with everything you need to rise above your past and, and not be afraid to say, go, go ahead. Check my background. My name is Jaden Gum, and this is Background Check. You already know. Let's go. You can check my background. I'm a forgiving felon, so tell them that I won't back down now. You can bet I won't live in regret. It's time to earn some respect. You are tuning in to Background Check. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Background Check Podcast, where we believe your background shouldn't hold you back. It should pay you back. There's so many ways my background pays me back. This podcast is one of them. Uh, every time I get the privilege of sharing a story on this podcast, that, uh, it pays me back and it pays that person back. Um, man, we're brought to you by Forgiven Felons, helping people with the past realize their future. I'm your host, Jaden Gum, and it's great to be here. It's great to be here. Uh, what is this, 103rd, I think, episode now? Woohoo! I wish I had sound effects. One day I'll have sound effects and I can just push the, the crowd cheering and clapping whenever, whenever I say that. <laughs> hey, listen, I want to get right into what happened last night. If you're listening to this on the day that it airs, which is Friday, um, August 5th, then uh, this, this when I say last night, August 4th, I was at the Kyle unit, and uh, this is my second time going back there, and I had a blast once again. I got to hang out with Chaz Roberts, the leader of that class called Pillars, He's teaching men to be pillars in their community. It's an amazing class, and, uh, and I, I got the honor of interviewing him again. We kind of picked up where we left off. His episode, I believe, is 98. It tells his full story, but then now this episode will air, uh, I don't know, a month or two from now. But we, uh, we get into more and talking about, you know, uh, some of the nuggets he learned in life from playing basketball. And, uh, and, and, you know, we talk about some other things. There's a screenplay written about his life. They're trying to get, you know, um, some traction on that. Uh, but anyway, it's, it's incredible. And um, I, I talked to, to the guys. I had the honor and privilege of talking to the guys, kind of like a commencement, you know, because they're all, they're all getting out within two weeks to like four weeks. And, uh, and I just talked to them about having the right network, you know, and having some upline in your network and some downline in your network, some mentors, and then some people you're giving back to, you know. And, and uh, so, guys, I hope that word, if you're listening at the Kyle Unit, they all have tablets. Uh, if you're listening at the Kyle Unit, I hope that word spoke to you, man. And listen, don't be um, – one of the things I may have not mentioned to you guys last night, you know, sometimes the people you reach up to and get mentored by and the people you reach down – down to not in a not in a con, you know a condescending way but the people that are, are where you used to be when you reach back to help them out these are people that you may not be hanging out with all the time these may not be your your immediate circle of friends but they may be people you spend time with from time to time uh sharpening each other okay uh you may be sharpening the guys that you're reaching back to help you're getting sharpened by the guys that 
you're reaching out for them to help you. Uh, and you know, and but you may have people that are at your same place in your journey as your friends that you hang out with, you know, daily, weekly, whatever. Uh, so anyway, I want to say that the other thing, man, I forgot, I forgot to tell you guys this last night. This is very important. So I hope all you guys are listening. Chaz, make sure they all listen to this. I meant to say this iron sharpening iron. That's the Bible verse. It's not iron sharpening wood. Listen, if you're an ax and you're trying to sharp, sharpen another ax, that's great. You're grinding each other. You're sharpening each other. Uh, an iron axe cannot get sharpening sharpened by coming against wood. So if, if the axe is, is trying to sharpen itself by, by rubbing up against wood, all it's going to do is damage the wood and dull the axe. Ain't no sharpening going on. So make sure when you're sharpening yourself, you're sharpening yourself with somebody like-minded you know, some other iron. Don't don't try to sharpen yourself around wood. All right, uh, that's that, that's kind of like the unequally yoked type thing. So um, anyway, uh, Captain Slay, thank you, man. I don't know if you listen to our podcast, but Captain Slay hangs out with these guys in this class and makes sure that they're getting everything they need. Uh, thank you, Captain. I haven't seen a captain like you uh, in all the units I've ever been on. I haven't, and I appreciate all you uh, do to help these men rehabilitate. You know. Um, all right, no, no real announcements other than North Texas Giving Day is coming up, and we're trying to hit 100K this year, 100,000. We hit 75,000 last year. I believe we could hit 100K. And if we do, I don't know, maybe uh, at the rally that night that we're going to have on September 22nd um, where we're going to have giveaways and stuff. By the way, we're going to give away something huge this year, like over $10,000 worth it, huge. That's what. But you know what? If we hit $100,000, I may just do something crazy like give my truck away. I've been – I've been uh, upgraded to all my stuff on my trucks. I got a headache rack. I got the front end fixed. I got all these things. I got the seat, the seat backs, uh, brand new seat backs, brand new electrical components. My truck is nice now. It's nice. Uh, Transmission is rebuilt. Lifetime warranty on that. I mean, no leaks, nothing. It's a great truck. But I still might give it away if we hit 100K. That rhymes, too. I might give it away if we hit 100K. Uh, also, other announcement is if you're in the Dallas area and you're a man, uh, a real man, a biological man. <laughs> if you're a man and you want a free breakfast and to hear a great story, every month, the first Saturday of every month, Cowboy Church in Ellis County, Cowboy Church of Ellis County in Waxahachie, um, has a breakfast from 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. And listen, guys, they stick to that schedule. I think we got out five minutes late one time and the guy was just apologizing. Uh, so listen, if you're busy on a Saturday too, take an hour, take an hour of the beginning of your day, give it to God, come eat with men, fellowship with men, get a free breakfast. It's a good breakfast. Oh my gosh, man. The gravy's amazing. So come on out, look it up, look it up. Cowboy church of Ellis County in Waxahachie right there off the highway 287. All right. Uh, all right. We got to get to this interview. This is the second time I've interviewed Paul's part. The first time something happened to the audio and, and some of it was garbled, so we couldn't do it. Um, but I understand why the devil is in the details and trying to attack the audio because his story is incredible. It's amazing. The devil doesn't want this story told. Miracle after miracle happens in the story. His parents divorce uh, through his, uh, you know, sentencing and getting getting uh, charged with this murder charge. His parents divorced through all that, and they got back together. They got back together. 
the parole story is a miracle. He saw an actual deliverance while on Emmaus walk there at the wind unit. Uh, his wife's parents were on, weren't on board with him at first, and then they were. And I know how that miracle goes. Um, he prayed over his future mother-in-law at the time while, while he was dating Hope, and uh, she got healed. Uh, so their story is just incredible. And, um, and here you go, Paul and Hope. Uh, you're going to love this story. We, I don't know what we were laughing at right before we started, but we had fun. We had so much fun. You're going to love it. <laughs> Paul and Hope. Lynn, welcome to Background Check Podcast. Thank you for having us. Nice to be here. Uh, we're going to do a background check on you today. Ooh. You scared? No. I have okay, to get good. one every year. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. She's got nothing to worry about. That is awesome. Well, guys, thank you for being here. Uh, Paul, this is your second time to be here, uh, but not, I mean, it's going to be the first episode that we air of you. Uh, <laughs> we came to Houston uh, last year and recorded Paul's story, and it was incredible. I'd never heard of it. I'd never heard his story, and it was amazing. And then we get back, and we start editing, and notice that the audio, something happened to the audio. So um, I was very upset at the devil. I don't know what happened. Sometimes the devil gets into the audio. And uh, he did not want Paul's story to get out, but it's okay because now your story is going to go in jails and prisons all across the nation. And uh, and so inmates, male and female, everywhere are going to hear, hear y'all's story. Come on. Yeah. Come on, yeah. And, and I think about 10 or 15 units now have them in Texas. Really? And, they got wow. the... Yep. And okay. so by the end of the awesome. year, they should have almost quite a bit more, but there's about 10 or 15 units right now. Come on. I was at the Kyle unit. That's crazy. They had them. They had them. And so they were so excited because they were like, the podcast host is a background check is coming to our unit. And so they were so <laughs> excited. I got to interview one of those inmates and his is going to be on next week. So they already get, they, they, they're listening to the podcast already. Yep. Wow. Yep. Yep. Man. Yep. So, so people in Texas will, we've we'll come a story. long way since we were in. I know, man. I, that, that's, it's sad that of the big, like New York, California, Texas, all the big three, jail states prison uh, incarceration states new york and california's had them forever right had them forever yeah. wow people are taking full college courses and credits on tablets and stuff and we're the only reason we got them was because covid wow that's the only reason the, all the visitation shut down and that's the reason they did them they because started of doing the yep. video visitations so, well listen the first time i heard paul's story hope mm -hmm. it involved you <laughs> oh good he told he talked about you um, Hopefully, good things. And so, yes, it was nothing, nothing but good. And so, I thought this time, if you're available, why don't we just have you sit in and you can tell that part of your story, and you can correct everything he got wrong. Perfect. <laughs> I get anything wrong. <laughs> we'll see. We'll find out. So, uh, so hope we will. We're just going to do a background check on Paul. And so, if you just you know hang out, hang tight there for a moment, and. Uh, Whenever we get to that part of the story, I'm going to have you jump in. All right. Sounds good. Paul, you ready? I'm ready. So, uh, you know, typically I always just start out with who you are now. I mean, we just we just know now that you're married. So we know Hope. Um, tell us about what you do. Like, what do you do now? I mean, do you pastor a church somewhere or what do you do? No, I don't pastor a church. Um I am actually currently working as a accounting manager for a local nonprofit. And uh, so that's what I do for work. And 
I'm also uh, a part of a, uh, a great church here. Wait, 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 wait. Did you say you're? Did you say you're an accountant? Yeah. As a felon. Yeah. Wow, that's a miracle. I'm accounting manager. Yep. That is great, dude. Yep. You know how many people, how many companies won't hire? Oh yeah, no, no, no way. I, I experienced that. Yeah. Did you? I got turned down by by a few before okay. I before I got my foot into yeah like the professional services industry. Right. So. Um, yeah, so that's definitely a miracle. Um, so working there and, uh, like I say, I'm part of a church here in Houston and, uh, give a shout out to your church, dwelling place, church, dwelling place, church, 45 and East Aratex, okay. 713 East Aratex. All right. Um, and, uh, yeah, just, just part of the church and kind of help out every now and then. Um, but also, uh, I'm, I'm still part of, uh, the, le- the leadership school of transformation, which At I'll get to unit. later yeah, on. Yeah. 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 Okay. So um, that's cool. So you still go back in? Yeah, not the wind unit, but uh, the memorial unit. All right. So I go back into the units uh, once a week. Nice. And just get to see the guys and encourage them. And so and where'd you grow up? I grew up here in in Houston, actually in Sugarland. Tell us about your family, brothers, sisters. I got one older brother, and uh, both my parents. Uh, they're also here in Houston. Uh, you know. Just a typical immigrant family. When did y'all, when did they come over? My parents actually, they came for graduate school. So they actually met in Michigan and got married and had my brother. And then uh, they came down to Texas and then I was born in San Antonio. And what, why did they move to Texas? Uh, I think it was just for for a job, like work. My dad got a job gotcha. here in San Antonio. I mean, it, we are better than Michigan. I mean, yeah, I can understand sure. why they would move anyway. Yeah. Uh, so, all right. So you're in San Antonio when you were born? Uh, yep, eighty five. So you were born in eighty five. I was a freshman in high school in eighty five. <laughs> it's crazy. All right. So, uh, so were you a Spurs fan? Yeah, definitely. The Admiral, Avery Johnson. Mm, that was yeah. my team, man. Can I tell you something real quick? So I went to the <laughs> I went to the Kyle unit not too long ago, and ran into a guy named Chaz Roberts. He is one of eight inmate counselors throughout the state of Texas. It's a new program they started uh, a couple years ago, I think. And they sent him to the Hamilton unit, put him through school, and they're not they're not field ministers. They're not like the chaplains. These are actually inmate counselors, like life coaches. Sort of, is that, yeah. Or that's something different. Uh, I don't know. Uh, they, okay. Their their official title is is inmate counselor. Okay. And um, and so there's only eight of them right now, as as far as I know. Uh, they're they're putting more through school, uh, and these guys do they work more with the counselors on the unit than they do with the chaplain. The field ministers work with the chaplain. So Chaz came from the Hughes unit. The Hughes unit he started a faith-based basketball tournament. Okay. And he got permission from the warden to run the tournament, but he told the warden that, you know, this is not going to be a regular tournament. We're not going to allow profanity. We're not going to allow fighting. And when the, when the teams are done, both teams win or lose have to come to this room and hear a 15 minute devotion. Um, he got, his dad played college ball. And so his dad knows some NBA players, Spurs, and they got they got Spurs involved, and and just it's really really cool. They did two of these big tournaments wow. while he was there. So when he when he came to the uh, the Kyle unit, he's teaching a class called Pillars, and uh, 
he's wanting to get the Spurs to come back. They're going to come back sometime in July. But the Spurs gave him three in-game, game-worn nets from the rims. Wow. And they wrote on there, these are playoff nets. So they wrote on there the the game, the year, the, the opponent, the score, all wow. that stuff, when when the net was put up, when it was taken down, all that. Yeah. And they gave him three. And he gave one to his daughter, one to his son. And then that night when I came and spoke to the class for their graduation, he gave me that third one. Wow. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, that's crazy that they would give him the, those nets, man. Those are one of a kind. I know. I was like, oh, my gosh. And what's funny is, you know, the story I was telling you earlier about me and my wife. You know, remember I told you when I first got out the month later and I, I told her everything. I think that was y'all I told. I told her everything a month after I got out about the whole conversation, you know. And it was on our way to watch the Mavs and the Spurs play. <laughs> so it's like, oh, man, it's so cool. The Spurs, I hate them, but there's so much in my life now, though. But um, You feel but like it, the Holy Spirit's telling you to give that to me? I don't. Is that I no? <laughs> so... So anyway, I just want to tell you that I don't know if just just rub it in your face or or what, but uh, I'll take that off your hands since you hate them anyway. <laughs> so uh, all right, you're a kid. When do you start getting in trouble? Uh, age thirteen. So my family had actually moved to Taiwan when I was seven years old. We stayed there for five years, and then we moved back to the same house in Sugarland. Um. And actually, when, I, when we were living in Taiwan, that was the first time that I heard the name of Jesus. You know, I, I heard first learned about, you know, the Bible and uh, Christianity. And so um, that was my first exposure. And while I was there in Taiwan, I mean, I was, you know, I was a kid and, you know, I kind of just adapted to my environment. I was going to a Christian school. And so all my friends were Christian. They were missionary kids. You know, it was basically a, a school for all, all the missionary kids. Um, you know, and I was going to chapel services, prayer, memorizing scripture, and going to camps and stuff, retreats. And so, you know, I, I thought I was a Christian, you know, a good Christian kid. And, but then uh, we, we moved back to Sugarland, and I didn't, you know, I was taken out of that environment and placed in, you know, a, a very secular, worldly environment. And, you know, I didn't have any friends, and so I just, I, I dropped everything, you know. I, I didn't read the Bible when I came back, you know, to, to America, and I didn't go, I didn't step foot inside a church. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I didn't pray, and so anyways, you know, I was, I was trying to fit in and, and trying to make new friends, and so, yeah, it was, it was the eighth grade where, you know, I just, I made the wrong friends, and, and just got, you know, sucked into a lifestyle of, of drugs and drinking, you know, at age 13, eighth grade, you know, drinking, smoking cigarettes and getting in fights and, st- you know, all, all things that I never did. Um, but, you know, just to just try to fit in, you know, yeah. I would, I would just, you know, I went down the same path, man, yeah. same age, same, same grade, same everything, same reason too. I mean, I just was trying to fit in with the new, the new school that my mom yeah. and dad picked up and picked up right in the middle of junior. I picked us up, moved to a new school and I hated it. I hated them for it. So I actually hung around the bad guys just to get back at them. And so, cause I knew that was the only way I was going to be able to get back at them. And so anyway, so, so what happened next, man? High school. So yeah, high school. Um, my parents transferred me, you know, try to get me away from my friends and, 
So she put me in a different high school. And so just, just like you, you know, I want to get back at them and prove my point that, you know, that it wouldn't work. And so I would just, you know, purposely get in trouble, skip school, get in fights, um, trying to just, you know, kind of rub it, rub it in their face. Like, right. you know, this yeah. is not going to work. I'm just, I'm still going to be me. I'm still going to hang out with my friends and get in trouble. And so, um, but funny thing is like, you know, I, I was still able to, you know, stay in school. Like I, I never got expelled. Um, I was still able to maintain, you know, decent grades. And uh, for some reason, I just thought, you know what, if, you know, if, if my parents are going to keep me in this school, I'm going to graduate early so that I can, you know, be in college where you don't have to go to class nice. and where a, a few of my friends were, were in college. Yeah. So I'm going to just go hang out with them in college. So I actually end up taking like extra classes, summer classes, you know, a zero period, you know, like yeah, the yeah. very early morning class. And uh, I graduate a year early. Wow. And so um, I graduate high school at 16 and uh, enroll in the University of Houston. And, and I carry out my plan, you know, I, I sign up for classes and I'd show up, you know, first day of class, get the syllabus, find out when the exam days were. Uh, go buy the textbook and just show up to take exams so that I would, you know, be able to stay in school and have grades. Yeah. Um, and I mean, naturally, I was I was barely, barely passing. You know, I was getting D's and F's and C's and stuff. So um, but, you know, I would show up to these exams high. You know, I, I'd be mm -hmm. on, you know, on Xanax, on bars. I'd be uh, coming off like a two day drug binge, you know, having slept in two days, uh, coked up, you know, and so I just. I don't know. I was still able to stay in college, you know, with with a semi-passing grade. Um, but it was it was during uh, my time in you know college. Uh, I was 19 when I, I committed the felony that I did. And um, what happened was me and my friends we went to a club. Uh, one of a like a mutual friend was was promoting a a, a party, and so we went. And uh, while we were leaving. Uh, I was already drunk and had already popped a couple Xanax. So um, I had the actual, I guess, uh, reason reason to like give my car my car keys to my friend to drive. Right. And he wasn't any better, but he was. I, I thought he was in better shape than me. <laughs> so I'm in the passenger seat, and you know I give my keys to my friend, and he's driving, and, and we're waiting in the front of the club for for our other friend that came with us to come out. And um, uh, apparently, a couple weeks prior, my friend he had kind of like started, you know, started something with this this group of guys, or sp specifically this one person. And uh, so this that guy he saw my friend this night, and mm -hmm. he he wanted to get you know get revenge, and he was there with a bunch of his friends. So they saw my friend coming out of the club, and and they just they jumped him, and. Uh, it was happening like right in front of our car, my car. And so I got out and I had a pistol with me and uh, I ended up shooting one of the guys that was, was jumping. Now they were jumping me. And so uh, I shot one of the guys and he actually, he passed away. And so, um, yeah, that's, that's what forever changed my life. And, um, you know, it's, it's, I mean, it's not really crazy because, you know, just the path that I was on, uh, that was bound to happen. Yeah, eventually, you know? yeah. 
you stay yeah. on a path, man, eventually something, keep it's, doing it's gonna same, take same you. things, it's going to yeah. take you somewhere. It's going to take you somewhere, and, and that's the path that I was on and and uh, the mentality and kind of the identity. It, it was really, it's, it's always been about identity. You know, yeah. even when I was a little kid, it was just searching for identity. I didn't know who I was, and uh, I, I didn't have anybody, like a, my parents, you know, they weren't Christians, and so... They weren't able to speak identity to me. And so I found my identity in, you know, this group of friends and the lifestyle and the culture, you know, that they were living. So and that's what it was. And so, um, yeah, I, I ended up taking this this person's life. And um, what did they give you for it? They gave me 15, 15 years. Um, you know, my my whole case was that it was self-defense. Yeah that actually I was, it was, you know, defense of a third party and then self-defense. Um, so, you know, crazy thing. So when I was, you know, doing drugs and, and all this, you know, I, I remember a very distinct moment when I, um, when I told myself, and I think I even said it out loud that, you know what, God, God cannot exist because if he did, he would have stopped me, mm. you know, yeah. He would have stopped me and, and I would have, you know, he would have restored me, you know, back to uh, being a good person. You know, that's all I really knew is like being a good person. So, um, you know, I, I, I denounced God, uh, renounced God. And then um, but after I took this person's life, it's like uh, my, my faith in uh, like the spiritual, the afterlife, like kind of reawakened. And because, you know, I was thinking like, you know what, this person has to, you know, he's somewhere. Right. He didn't just like disappear. He didn't just vanish because he, you know, he died. And so uh, I, I, I just started praying. You know, I, I didn't pray. I, I hadn't prayed since I was probably like 12, but I just started praying every night religiously. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think I missed a single night um, while I was out on bond waiting trial. I was praying every night in Jesus name. And I, but I, I made it a point not to pray for myself. Yeah. You know, I would pray for everybody else. Uh, I guess kind of thinking that I was doing penance and, yeah. and that, you know, I was I was too too far gone and I didn't deserve like God's help, his grace or anything. So I was just praying for everybody and you know, I didn't ask for his help for my trial. You know, I was still kind of believing that I was going to get acquitted. You know, I was going to get, you know, found innocent and so go to trial and then they find me guilty and then I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to get probation. And then uh, they gave me 15 years. Mm. And so, um, and, and that actually, you know, looking back, that's actually, the, it was the mercy of God because we found out after the trial, um, I think my lawyers talked to the judge and, and maybe some of the jurors, and they told me that there was one of the jurors that he was pushing for 70 years. Mm. And, uh, but some way, somehow, they got him to, uh, you know, to, to agree to 15. Wow. So, um, so what's mom and dad thinking at this point? I mean, man, I, I really don't know what they were thinking. I, I just know that they were, they were, uh, they were just destroyed, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, when they found out, like my mom almost probably like had like a breakdown, mm -hmm. um, you know, I was in Harris County jail and, and just that phone call, man, that was probably one of the worst, worst feelings, worst moments in my life is now, like, did they arrest you that night and take you to jail and not no, let you out or no, they, they served a warrant to you some other time. It took them two months. You know, I was, I was out and, and I was just living my life. Um, 
I, I had the thought of like fleeing and going to Taiwan since I had family. But, um, you know, I just like, you know what? I'm not going to do that. Uh, I'm just going to keep living my life. And if they come get me, they come get me. If not, then I'm not, I'm not turning myself in. So, um, man, I was, yeah, I was going to school, you know, I was still working and just going to work. And, uh, but yeah, after about two months, they came and arrested me at my work. I was at UPS loading a truck. I could picture you in a brown (laughs) UPS uh, (laughs) uniform. I wasn't wearing a uniform. Oh, you weren't? Okay. What were you wearing? Just like a t-shirt and shorts. I was just loading trucks. Oh, you weren't a driver? No, I wasn't a driver. No, no, I was working in the warehouse. I could see you in a a brown driver (laughs) uniform uh, with a little dog chasing you. Um, So what did your parents think about the 15 years? Um. I mean, my mom freaked out at five. You know, I can't imagine if she heard 13, 15 years. I think, you know, I mean, I think there was definitely aggravated? sad. Yeah. So you yeah. had to do at least, so you knew you were doing at least and seven and a half. Yeah. Um, yeah, to me at the time, 15 seemed like forever, you know. It, it, it could have been 90, it, you know, it could have been 10. I was still like, man, I, I can't even see like two years, you know, into the future, much less 15. But yeah, I mean, they were. They, they were 19 were, years old? I was 20. 20? Yeah. I was I was 19 when when uh when I took the person's life and then I was 20 by, by the time I was convicted. Um yeah, I mean they were they were distraught. They were yeah. they were sad. They really I think they really um thought that I was going to get probation or be acquitted. Yeah. Um and you said uh do you have brothers? I got one older brother. Yeah. And and what what was his reaction to all that? Uh I mean, just saying he was, you know, he was sad to to see me, you know, his little brother, his baby yeah. brother getting locked up. And, um, you know, he, me and him, I guess, at, at, you know, at the time we, we didn't really have like a close relationship, but, um, you know, after, you know, I did what I did, it, it kind of brought me and him a little bit closer because he was the first one that I told gotcha. my family, gotcha. you know, I told him, I think maybe that night. Or the next day, I told him what I did, and and he just, you know, he kept it a secret. And so, um, but you know, it's it's crazy, kind of looking back, how you know something so so bad can can bring so much good in the sense that like it it really united my family, because at the time my family was was not a family. My parents were divorced. Uh, I was living with my mom. I think my brother was living with my dad. Uh, we didn't talk to each other like no, no we didn't spend time with each other um, you know I, I would just I, I really wouldn't even see my mom because our schedules were so opposite yeah you know I'd wake up at like four in the afternoon and then you know come back home at like four or five in the morning and you know so we wouldn't we really wouldn't even talk to each other or see each other um, but then after you know the trial and everything like my, my mom ended up selling her house moved back in with my dad uh, they ended up getting remarried while I was in prison. And so uh, it just wow. brought, you know, it brought the family together. Wow. You know, the tragedy brought the family together and literally so, brought your parents back together. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And then. So then you went to prison and everything was perfect in prison, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, man. It was just, you know, a cakewalk. And <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, no, I wouldn't say it was a cakewalk, but I can honestly say that. Uh, you know, cause I, I gave my life to Christ in, in County jail. Yeah. So, you know, my entire, you know, time in prison, I was, I was living for the Lord. That's good. So, uh, you know, it was, I was, I was still smuggling things into the County jail. So (laughs) 
I didn't give my heart to, back to God until until three or four months into my prison sentence. So good job, kudos, man. Yeah, so I mean that that was all it took for me. You what know? unit were you on first? Uh, well, I mean, I went through like the transit unit. I went to Beeville, uh, but I, I went to Win Unit. That was my first and only unit. First and only unit. You were there all how many years? All nine years. So you did ended up doing nine nine years. So you got denied uh, what one or one or two times? Once. Once. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, so what are, what are some of the things that happened in that nine years that you think allowed you just to really, really, really dig deep and grow in the Lord? You know, I would say that it's, it started with, uh, my initial decision to surrender my life to the Lord. You know, it was, uh, looking back, it was just, uh, you know, I counted the cost yeah. You know, I really in the County jail, you know, I counted the cost and I was like, all right, God, you know, I'm, I'm looking at 15 years and what is it, what would it look like for me to serve you, to follow you? Like, is this really what I want to do? Um, how you did know? you go from, how did you go from renouncing God and wondering if even God exists because how could he allow you to do this to giving your heart back to him? What happened? What, what happened that in your mind, in your heart that caused that change? So I think, uh, you know, the prison sentence kind of broke my pride, right? It finally humbled me to the point where I was like, okay, you know, my my own wisdom and, you know, my best efforts, like, landed me a 15-year prison yeah. sentence. So, yeah. okay, maybe maybe I don't know as much as I, I think I do. <laughs> yeah. and maybe I'm not as strong or smart as, as I think I am. And so that, you know, that kind of humbled me. And then in county jail, somebody gave me a uh, Kenneth Copeland devotional from right. Faith to Faith. yeah. And uh, I read that cover to cover, you know, probably in like a day or two, you know, because, you know, county jail, there's nothing to do. Nothing. Nothing. So I, I read it cover to cover in a day or two. And uh, at the end, you know, and I mean, just reading that, you know, from cover, like the whole devotional, uh, man, God spoke so much to me. And I just I, I learned that, you know, Christianity is more than just saying a prayer and adding the tagline in Jesus name. That doesn't make you a Christian. And so um it was that devotional that really just uh, created that that hunger to to surrender my life to the Lord and kind of gave me a picture of what life could look like, you know, serving the Lord. So yeah, so then that brought me to you know my decision. I was like, you know what, God, I've counted the cost. Whatever happens, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna make my make decisions to to follow Your Word and. Uh, but you're going to have to teach me and you're going to have to help me. Yeah. And, uh, so what do you, what year did you get out? I got in 2015, 2015. Okay. So I started going in in 2009. So, uh, I, I, I think I ran into you. Yeah. Did, I was, I think I remember meeting you and, yep. uh, at the wind unit in those early days. Mike so, Barber. Yep. I came every year for Mike Barber. So what is, did you have a, a Bible verse, a favorite passage, a favorite chapter, a favorite anything uh, that that kind of really you clung clung to the most during your prison time? Not counting the parole story, we'll get to that. I know that there's that that passage, but was there any just life verses or any verses you held on to just on a daily basis, a weekly basis that when you just had weak moments, you know that that gave you strength? I mean, I think there, there's a bunch. Too many of them. Yeah. I, I, I didn't really have like one. I never had just one of those like life. I had one. It was easy. It was easy. It was go-to. 
and it was Philippians four thirteen. Okay, I can do all yeah. things. It doesn't matter what it, what that thing is. If I do it through Christ, I can do it. Yeah, and so that that's the one. Even when I even when I got out, like whenever I was living for the Lord on and off out here in the world, I was a bowler, and on my bowling shoes, <laughs> I won the left shoe. I wrote with permanent marker, mar- uh, Sharpie, I, and then on my right shoe, I wrote can. And every time I look down, can. I yeah. can. I can I can bowl a strike through Christ Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Getting those so, 300s, huh? <laughs> so uh, never, I, 300s always eluded me. I bowled two, 299, 298 several times, <laughs> man, but never a 300. Man. So one day I'm going to bowl a 300. All You're right? going to do it. You can, man. So... Um, talk about your prison time just a little bit, you know, I mean, ups and downs, you know, what was hard about prison? What was, uh, your favorite part about prison? Uh, if there is a favorite <laughs> part, uh, what was your worst part about prison? You know, wow. what did you miss the most out here by, by being in prison? What do I miss about prison? <laughs> oh man. I mean, that's, there's, there's a lot. Um, like you can get spiritual with it or you can even get practical. I missed being able to get up out of my chair and go to the refrigerator. <laughs> I missed having re- real razors. Yeah. You know, those are some practical things. Um, wow. Uh, you know what? Honestly, I guess the main thing that I miss about prison is the the brotherhood. Not that you miss about prison. I mean, when you oh, were in prison, what did you miss about From the here? free world. Yes, yes, <laughs> okay. yes, yes. What I miss, I mean, having my own, like, privacy. Just uh, being able to go to the restroom by myself. Uh, being able to shower by myself. But you're married now, so you always have somebody in the house. That's true. <laughs> and, and I always leave the door open. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, but uh, yeah, man, I guess, you know, the, the, the first shock of prison was, you know, like showering yeah. with everybody, seeing all the, you know, the, the naked men. Yeah. <laughs> Having to keep your eyes, you know, like up. Um, I played sports in college and high school, so I had so, a little okay. bit. I was used to it a little bit, uh, but it was it was you know you knew nobody in high school and college was gonna you know try to rape you or yeah. beat you up in the shower or whatever you know. So yeah, um, yeah, and I mean my family, obviously yeah. you know just miss my family and being able to spend time with the family and I mean all that stuff. But you know I I th- I think I can honestly say that. It didn't take long for me to adjust. Um, strangely enough, I mean, I was I was adjusted in the county jail. Like yeah. when they when they sent me the lane or whatever, saying that I was on chain from county, I was I was like upset because I had just gotten settled, you know, got <laughs> yeah. a routine going, had, you know, was getting commissary and you know made some friends, and so I was like, man, I just want to stay here. You know, can I stay here for the rest of my set? So then we go to pre- get to the win unit, and again, you know, it's like. All right, you know, and after a few weeks, you know, you kind of, you know, you get your routine. You know, who are some of who are some of the the men that impacted you while you were in there? Um, so there was a volunteer that that uh, was coming in, and he was hosting or facilitating a prayer seminar class. His name is Randy Richter, and uh, man, he he's the one that s- helped spark the the passion for revival, and just. Um, you know, seeking God for, for, and and just believing that he can transform a whole prison unit, you know, he can transform a whole nation. And so he was bringing in, you know, stuff from 
the Brownsville revival and kind of like Bill Johnson and Heidi Baker and, you know, Smith Wigglesworth. And so he was good stuff and stuff from, from these, you know, uh, giants of the faith. And so, and, and he was with us for, for years. And so, um, I was part of his prayer seminar class, and and I want to say that I, I believe that it was that prayer seminar class that that paved the way for what we experienced, you know, the revival we experienced yeah. on the wind unit. It was just, you know, maybe ten or fifteen of us guys praying. You know, we would just pray for an hour, hour and a half, and just just go after it uh, for years. So, what does revival look like uh, in prison at the wind unit? It looks like salvations um it looks like healings it looks like uh you know just peace and who all was involved because i know i know i hear warden Pittman talking about the revival he was definitely uh the the kind of like the spearhead um and that's something we were we were praying for in the prayer seminar class we were praying for a, a, a godly warden and then he came and we were praying for a faith-based storm and when he came he he started the first faith faith based dorm on the wind unit, um, and so he was definitely the catalyst and kind of opened the door for for the inmates to be able to to really just go after God. And uh, he brought you know the faith based dorm, like I said, and different programs. But um, the the main thing that I would say helped kind of usher in a revival was the lock ins. Um, what is what we call them the Emmaus walks? Okay, but. Gotcha. Emmaus walks, but there were just, you know, lock-ins in the chapel. We would go into the chapel, you know, on a Friday, you know, after lunch and sleep in the chapel all weekend. And uh, we'd have like a service on Sunday morning. So, this, you know, over the whole whole weekend, he would br- they would bring in different ministries. Different would you have your mats in there? Any beds? Yep. or Okay. We brought our mattresses. Um, they, they, bring, they bring chow to you? They y'all? brought chow to us. Uh, the only time we would leave was showers, and uh, so yeah, we just we slept in the chapel. We and we would just worship, and then we would hear the word preached. No, no free world counselors or anything in there. No, no, yeah. So free, yeah, uh, free world counselors were in there too. Different ministries, uh, preachers would come in. Okay, you know, but none so, of them spent the night. No, no, okay. no. <laughs> uh, that'd be cool. No, actually, I think uh, Randy Richter did. He did, yeah, okay. a couple times, yeah. He's, he, he, yeah, he had a mattress and I think he stayed. Nice. Um, yeah, I think they definitely had a couple volunteers that like stayed through the night. Um, so yeah, so these lock-ins, you know, it was just about tuning out like all the distractions, right? No TV. Um, they didn't even want us to like really, uh, get mail, but you know, they had to give it to us. Um, so we just, you know, shut off everything and then just, it was just focusing on God and, his presence came, you know, he, he's so faithful. Like, you know, he said, when we draw near to him, he's going to draw near to us. And, and so we would just worship for like an hour and a half. And, he, you know, they would preach the word for an hour and a half. We do prayer ministry. And, uh, man, we saw so many just miracles and just crazy salvations. And, um, one, one, once one that stands out is, uh, on the, on the Friday that we went in, you know, we were just kind of checking in and everything. And, and I remember there was, uh, an inmate that was walking behind me and he had his like red chain bag and everything. Um, and, uh, he dropped something. So I, I picked it up to give it to him and he said, thank you. But he said it in a real, uh, feminine voice. 
I was like, huh, okay. And I kind of looked at him and I was like, okay, yeah. So he's, you know, obviously struggling with that spirit of, you know, homosexuality and he had his eyebrows done and, you know, had, you know, just walking like, you know, like a woman walks. So anyways, I was like, this is, this is going to be interesting. So uh, I think on, a, it was just that Friday night we were worshiping. And uh, I think I, I remember the song was How Great Is Our God. And this guy, uh, he just all of a sudden like went up to the front to the altar and like lifted his hands and, and was worshiping. He was, you know, he was mm -hmm. getting in it. And uh, nobody like prayed for him or anything, but he just started kind of like manifesting, mm. you know, he, yeah. he fell on the floor and was, you know, like banging his head on the floor and his glasses flew off. And so everybody's kind of like looking at him like, what do we do? And then the preacher was like, hey, you know, just let, let, let the Holy Spirit do what he's doing. And, and he kind of like prayed for him. And he was down there for, man, I want to say a good seven, eight minutes. Uh, and we're just we're, we just keep worshiping, right? Yeah, we're we're yeah, singing, yeah. we're you know we're we're getting our praise on, and then he gets up, goes sits down in the pew, and then you know maybe uh, two minutes later he starts just like you know convulsing or whatever in this in the pew, and so after he does that for like another seven eight minutes, you know like the, you know the preacher gets you know gets the mic and he's like all right now it's testimony time and. Uh, we want, you know, anybody that wants, has something they want to share or testimony, you know, come on up. So he, he, he runs up there and, uh, I, I'm actually playing keys, you know, for, for the worst I'm st standing up there and I'm, I see him come up and I was like, oh man, this is going to be good. This is going to be good. And, uh, first words out of his mouth, you know, he's like, hi, my name is whatever. And then, but it was in a, like a, a manly, a manly voice. regular voice. Wow. And I just, man, I was like, I was touched. I, was, I started crying. I was like, had you oh. ever seen anything like that from a spiritual standpoint before? Not in person, yeah. like in some of those videos that, that <laughs> right. Randy yeah, you was hear bringing about, yeah, 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 you hear about it, you see it on, on the videos, but I hadn't seen it in person. And, uh, and he just testified how, you know, you know, yeah, all of y'all, you know, y'all saw me, y'all know me or whatever. And, you know, I just, I don't want to live that lifestyle and, and uh, God just set me free, and wow. you know, this is this is who I am, and and I was like, man, that's that's incredible. Um, that's so awesome. it was just stuff like that, man, and that's kind of some stuff you might might miss, huh? <laughs> yeah. You know, there was when I was in prison uh, in '06, early '06, um, is when "How Great Is Our God" came out, March of uh, 2006, and we were a pretty hip, like new worship songs that came out out in the world we had people that would teach us the new ones that were coming out so we we, we were singing them pretty quickly uh i had been hearing that on the radio since early march when it first came out and i was singing it every count time when it came out god put it on count time every time because that was one of the things god had me doing you know i tell people i sing and i studied acts and that's how i say i sang and studied my way out of prison because they took my short way away and I was like, hey, great God. God said, just start singing this song. Every time you hear this song come on, sing it. Well, the only time it ever came on was during count time. And so everybody was sitting still, and I'm singing this thing to loud, as loud as I can. And so we started singing it in Sunday morning church. And we had 100 guys in the gym on Sunday morning, and they're all singing, how great is our God. And it's echoing off the walls. Yeah. And literally, I had never felt that level of presence of God and that I was telling somebody earlier today, one of our, 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 our other guests, 
the best way I could describe it was that when us men on Sunday morning were singing How Great Is Our God, when the disciples, the 120, were in the upper room and they were all in one accord, yeah, that's how it felt in prison. And it's hard to it's hard to explain that to people because you don't really feel all accord in, on a Sunday morning sometimes out here. Because yeah. people come to church and for the wrong reasons. They come to church to show off. They come to church to look for a spouse. They come to church for whatever reason other than to, to get from God. Yeah. And so... So nobody's in one accord on Sunday morning anymore. It's just it's really weird, and so uh, so it's it's there's there's a few times where, you know, if we were to ask, what do you miss about prison? You know, there there are some moments that it's like okay that you don't have those moments out here. Right. You yeah. have they can't be replicated out here. You know. And so, all right. So we got to get to the parole story, buddy. All right. So, um, like, like I said earlier, I did get set off the first time. Um, and the first time, you know, I, you know, I was, I was already, you know, a man of faith and and I just, my, my belief was that God was good and that he wanted me to be free. And so I was, you know, I was praying and and believing that I was going to get my first parole you know, I, I didn't get in any trouble in prison, so I, I didn't see any reason why they would deny my first parole. Right. Um, so I get set off. I get a one-year set off, which isn't too bad, obviously. Um, but, uh, you know, after, you know, maybe six, seven months um, after after I got my set off, I was just reading the Bible one, one morning. And um, at the time, you know, we had started this, uh, this school, and so I was part, kind of part of the leadership there. And and we were seeing like just tons of break, you know, breakthrough and miracles, and tra- you know, people being transformed. And so I was, I was content, you know, I was, I was, I was happy with where I was at, and you know, I, I really believe that God, you know, had me where I needed to be. And and uh, you know, I had so many people that that I was discipling, and just so, you know, my heart was, you know, what God, I'm not even gonna, my heart's not even really on parole. You know, I'm not going to pray about it. I'm not going to believe for it. I'm not going to mention it to you, you know. So if you want to, if, if you want to set me free, if you want to give, give me my parole, then you, I mean, you can do that. So anyways, I'm reading and I'm in Exodus chapter four and I come to first, verse 19 and verse 19 says, uh, this is God talking to Moses. He says, you know, Moses return to Egypt for all the men that sought your life are dead. And I read it, you know, I read it, I just read through it, and then I feel like the Holy Spirit, like, told me to read it again. So I read it again, and then the Holy Spirit just breathed life into that, and he, he made it personal. He said, Paul, go, I'm sending you back to Egypt, which represents the world, and because I'm going to not literally kill, but I'm going to move the hearts of the men that are keeping you in prison, that are keeping you locked up. And so... Uh, you know, I, my, my, my initial reaction was, all right, God, like I, I didn't go looking for this verse, you know, I mean, there's no way I would have tied this verse to, to me being You're paroled. Right, right. So <laughs> you brought this to me, you made this promise to me. I'm going to take your word for it. And I'm going to believe that I'm making my first, this parole. So, uh, you know, I, I, I take it and I start telling all, all my, all my friends, all my brothers and tell my family and I'm like you know God God told me I'm gonna make this parole so 
because he, he's going to do it, like, don't do anything to try to help get me out. Yeah. Right. Don't get a parole lawyer. So they, my, my parents, they got a parole lawyer the first time. Didn't work. So I was, <laughs> I had to, I had to convince my, my parents cause you know, they, they love me and they want to do everything they can, you know, in the natural. And yeah. I had to like fight. I had to argue with them. Like, like, don't, don't do it. You're going to mess it up. Like God doesn't need your help. He doesn't need man's help. Um, so I, you know, I'm, I'm making all these, you know, faith statements and, uh, I come up my, I was supposed to, the month I was supposed to come up was February. So, uh, I go see the unit parole counselor, I think February 28th or something. And, uh, you know, I, I talked to her maybe less than a minute, you know, she's like, Hey, you know, anything changed? I was like, Nope. Same address. Yep. All right. You know, you'll get your answer in six to eight weeks. See you later. So I walk out and I'm like, okay, that was, that was pretty quick. Yeah. And, <laughs> um, I was like, yeah, God's going to do it. So, I mean, I don't have to say much. Um, so I'm thinking, you know, six to eight weeks. Um, and, uh, I find out later, you know, I'm actually walking into our, our class and, uh, Charlie, uh, Charlie Owens, who's the volunteer that facilitates the school. He, uh, he, he calls, he calls me to him and he's like, Hey, you know, I, I heard, you know, you got to set off, man. I'm so sorry. And this is like March, this is like March 17th. This is like barely two weeks. So I'm like, what are you talking about? Like they, they had, they couldn't have possibly already get, given you an answer, like giving me an answer. He's like, yeah, you know, so-and-so was, was checking online. You know, uh, it was actually a brother that had gotten out and he was checking, you know, my, my parole decision online. And they had put a, a one-year set. They had said they had given me a one-year set-off, and so I was like, "What? Are you serious?" So I was, you know, I was like, my mind was racing, and and you know, but uh, you know, truth, truthfully, my first, my like, what I was trying to figure out was, you know, how do I, how do I navigate this, because I've told everybody yeah. what God told me. And so I'm, I'm actually like, man, how do I navigate this to where God is still seen as good and truthful and that, you know, he's not a God that like breaks promises. Um, so I'm just, I, I go to the front of the room and I sit down and I'm just, just sitting there just thinking. And then um, Charlie calls me to the back and sits me down and, and he's like, all right, Paul, so what are you going to do now? Um, and that's when I, I like, actually realized that I, I had an option, you know? Um, I was like, I was just thinking to myself, I was like, okay, maybe, so one one option is I can take the, the report of parole and just do my one-year set off and I'll come up next year. Or I could actually believe the word of God and that he is the God of the impossible and that he is supernatural and he can he can make a way from no way. So I, was like, I told Charlie, I was like, you know what, man? Uh, I guess I'll just walk this out by faith until my faith runs out. I mean, it was a real like half-hearted, like lesser of two evils, you know, and whatever. I'll just, yeah. throw, I'll give you an answer. Yeah. But I mean, from there, I went back to my dorm and just got on my knees and I was like, God, if, if, if you really are going to get me out, then I need to know, like, you need to, you need to confirm it. And so I, I set my heart to fast, you know, I was like, I'm going to fast and until I get my answer. So on day two, um, I'm just going over like my notes and my, my journal. And, you know, I was, I was journaling, you know, faithfully throughout this whole process. And, 
just going over like you know my conversations with him and, and how, you know words that he's given me and magazine articles that that really spoke to me so one of them was uh an article in charisma uh talking to, he was talking about illegal prayers and the parable that he used was in luke chapter 11 um it's the friend that goes to his friend's house at midnight right yep. bangs on the door yep. asks for bread and uh in the scriptures and in, in a lot of the translations it's like it's his because of his persistence that his friend would come down and give him the bread but this article this 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 pastor was saying that you really the the greek you know the original language the word is like chutzpah and it's not persistence it's more of like a, a brashness or a boldness or you know like gumption mm-hmm. gall and uh so that it's like illegal prayers and so it's just like the woman with the issue of blood like she shouldn't have been in the crowd touching people right she could have been stoned for that but she had faith and she was just making kind of like a last ditch man hey i'm gonna get healed yeah. and i don't care you know if, if i die, die trying, trying. Yeah. yeah so and i was like man you know this is that's that's the story that god used to really speak to me and so uh on a side note like throughout this whole process god was using the the digits or the numbers 11 11 to really speak to me i would see it you know on our little clock radios like oh yeah twice a day <laughs> you know <laughs> it's the most you can see it but i would see it twice a day and there was like a period of two weeks where i saw 11 11 like every day multiple times a day and so i was just like i would see it on tv like in football games you know the quarter like the time in the quarter left would be 11 11 or like uh a a friend would pass me a a note on the back of a land and i'd flip the land around and the date or the time would be like 11 11 so it was just like crazy so i was was, he got my attention but up until this point when i was fasting and everything i didn't really know like i i didn't feel like i knew what the 11 11 meant yeah Right. There was there was some verses in the Bible that were like, OK, yeah, there's Hebrews 11, 11 is talking about when Sarah received grace to, you know, conceive um, by her faith. And so but I just it never really like God never really said that that was that that was the verse or anything. So but I'm reading. So I read this article and uh, I open the Bible. You know, I'm going to read this parable in the scriptures. So I go to Luke 11 and I read the parable. And then I was like, you know, I'm going to keep reading. So it goes into, you know, ask and you, sh- and you shall receive and knock and, and the door will be open. But then in Luke 11, it says, you know, and if a son asks for bread, will you give him a stone? Right. If he asks for a fish, will you give him a snake? And then just reading that, the Holy Spirit showed me this is the verse, Luke 11:11, 11, 11. And it says, like, if you being evil would give good gifts to your children, how much more like would your heavenly father right give you good gifts and it i mean it just wow. and when i say like i felt like a spiritual deposit of like great faith that's mm. that's what i would call it like yeah. the gift of faith and I, I i still have the bible and i wrote down that day right next to luke 11, 11 like great faith received you know and uh i just i knew without a shadow of doubt okay you're, you're gonna turn this around i'm getting out so, um, I, I, and that day I think happened to be our class, our school class day. So I go to, I go to class and I feel like the Holy Spirit is telling me, you need to get up there in front of everybody and tell them that I, you're, you're going to make parole. Oh, wow. So I get in front of the class and you know, they knew I got them with set off. And yeah. so I get up there and I'm like, Hey guys, you know, I got a set off, but 
God spoke to me and he said he's going to turn this around. I'm going to get my FI1. You know, and, and I was believing for like FI1. Uh, I wasn't going to settle for like, you know, the FI3, FI six, or 18, whatever. I was like, you know, God always gives us his best. So uh, FI1. So, you know, and I, I've, I've talked to guys that were in that class that day. I've talked to them like recently. And, you know, I've shared this testimony and like, yeah, I was sitting there in that class when you got up in front of us and I, I thought you were crazy. I thought you were stupid. And, uh, <laughs> So it's funny, you know, just like hearing, you know, their yeah, perspective. Yeah, yeah, And so, um, and that was just, you know, that was my faith. And so that was, uh, I want to say that was like, uh, like maybe around like March, you know, March 20th or something like that. It was like two days, right? Two days after I had found out. So, um, you know, I'm just, and I'm, I'm telling my family, I'm calling them, telling them a visitation. Hey, you know, like, you know, get mom, get my room ready get me a mattress, um, you know, prepare, you know, I, I'm coming home and they, they just, you know, they were, they were kind of like sad for me. Oh, poor, like, man, poor Paul. Yeah. He, like, he's, he's delusional. <laughs> like, man, he's, he's just gone. Um, so anyways, you know, April 1st comes and, uh, they actually mail me the, the parole answer, which I thought was kind of strange because I've never yeah. heard of them mailing it. Yeah. I've never but heard of it either. I got it in the mail and, uh, I thought, you know, when I opened it, it was going to say FI1, and I was like, yeah, the miracle is going to happen. And I opened it, and it was one year set off, and they had two reasons. The first time I got set off, it was just one, but now they added a reason. Wow. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I just I tore it up, you know, because I was like, you know what? This, what this says is not what God said. So this is a lie, right? If God's word is truth, then this has to be a lie. Yep. I tore it up, threw it away, didn't think nothing about it. Um, so then on April 14th, I am, uh, working computer recovery and I'm cleaning computers and my good friend, Jeff Hale, he was a clerk in, in, in computer recovery. And so he had access to the, I guess the TDCJ intranet where he could like look up inmate files and it would show parole answers and stuff. And he was one of the, the few brothers that stood with me right I, he was in that class you know that he didn't would, think you were crazy yeah and he said you know ever since you got in front of the class you know I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna check in your file every day for that answer to change wow so on april 14th he's he, a great guy he's amazing he was. yeah he's with the lord now yep. and, but man he uh he had s such a huge impact on so many guys there, Not, i mean i only went in once a year and there was a couple of people that I made sure I talked to every year, Reggie, you know, and Jeff was just one of those guys. Every year when I left, I felt better because of him. Wow. You know what I mean? Yeah. He just knew how, no matter what he was going through, he knew how to speak life into everyone around him. Yeah. He was incredible. Yeah. He was such a father uh, to so many guys, you know, and not just on the wind unit. I mean, his whole time in prison, he, he was just this uh, faithfully just fathering. So he, was, so he was checking every day for you. Checking every day. He was joining his faith with yours. That's it. And, uh, yeah, so April 14th, he taps me on the shoulder, and he's got tears coming down his, you know, his cheeks. And I, I, my initial reaction was, a uh, thought was that somebody had passed away. And, uh, but then he opened up this piece of paper and was like, hey, Paul, like, give me your full attention. Like, this is the most important moment in your life. 
Wow. Like, man, <laughs> this has got to be bad. Like, and then he opens the paper and he's like, what does this say right here? Is this you? I was like, yeah, Paul, Huai Lin. That's my middle name. And, uh, <laughs> what a cool middle name. Huai Guo. Um, And so I was like, yeah, that's me. And he's like, what does it say down here? And they had changed my answer to FI1. And, uh, man, we, man. I, I started just crying. He was crying even more. And we just started worshiping God right there in the middle of computer recovery. You know, because I, you know, I was I was believing, but it had I guess you know time had passed and it just yeah. wasn't really at the forefront of right, my heart. Right. You know. So when I when I saw that, I was you like, lost your chutzpah. <laughs> well, it was just yeah, it just wasn't like you know I was just doing you know I was yeah. living my life and it just I wasn't like really focused on it. And yeah. so, but when I read that answer, I was just like God, like it just hit me, man. It was yeah. just so real, like the the tangible goodness and faithfulness of God and the power of God. Um, and so that day was class day again. It's like all these, all these like <laughs> he major. Knows, God knows what he's doing. <laughs> oh yeah. God knows what he's doing. He's, he is, he's into the details. You know, he is so meticulous in like everything that he does. Yeah. Um, and so it was class day and I was like, oh man, like the guys are going to love this. I, I'm going to have to, you know, I got to share this with them. <laughs> so, I asked God, you know, how do you want me to share it? And he's like, go up, go to class and just read your journal verbatim. And uh, so that's what I did. I, I go to my dorm, grab the journal, go to class, and I just get up there and I just read it verbatim, you know. Um, and it took a while, right? There's a, <laughs> there's a lot of entries, but I read it. I got to the end and I was like, guys, I got my FI1. And man, that place erupted man it <laughs> sounded like there was hundreds of guys in there but it was probably about 35 40 um so i got my fi1 and you know the icing on the cake is is not even my parole but it was we were learning at the time like the testimony of god like i'm mean, testimony of jesus is the spirit of prophecy and that whenever we testify it releases like the power for yeah. god to do it again yeah, you know yeah. for people if, if they want it they just got to grab it you know they they get to they get to receive the the breakthrough and the miracle that somebody else might might have had to contend for, and so you know I was like, hey, who wants to receive? You know, who wants this? And I, everybody stood up, <laughs> obviously. And so you know, I just I just released it. I was like, God, you know, do it for them. You know, do it again. Um, and then I, a few days later, you know, we were leaving class, and one one of my brothers, Terry, he was uh, in the dorm, but he called me to the bars and he said, Hey, Paul, I got I got to share something with you. And I was like, man, what's up? He's like, man, you know, so, you know, I got like a five-year set off. It was first time up. He had done, I think, 12 and a half years, got a five-year set off. He's got a wife, two young kids. And, but he was like, yeah, so-and-so, they, they shared your testimony of what God did, how he overturned your decision. And I was like, you know what? I want that for myself. And he's like, I, I went to prayer and I fasted. And, and he told me, this is, my, uh, this is what I prayed. I said, you know what, God, I'm, I'm a son just like Paul is. I love you and I follow you just like Paul does. Like, do that for me. You know, do it for me. Overturn my decision. And he's like, two weeks later, I, I got my lay-in, went down to Nine Tank to pick up my answer, and they had reversed the five-year set-off to a FI6. Wow. And I was like, man, so that, like, to me, I started crying. I was like, man. That's what it's all about, man. That's it. Like, wow. you, you, you got it, man. Um, that's amazing. I mean, I've already heard the story, but hearing it again is like <laughs> I'm I'm jacked up in my faith all over again. 
Yeah, just man, and, if uh, God says it, like He's gonna do it. And I wonder how many people miss out on being able to encourage others because they don't, they don't do what you did. They don't continue and be persistent and and have that, have that bold, brash chutzpah. Is it chutzpah? Yeah, yeah. Chutzpah. They don't have that, and so and they just kind of like go back and go. Okay, I guess I guess it wasn't meant to be. Yeah, you know. And because they do that, they're missing out on being able to help those guys that you helped. Yeah, you know that that grabbed on to your measure of faith, because the thing about our measure of faith that God gives us is that part of our our growing our faith is helping others grow theirs yeah. and strengthening theirs because God gives us all a measure of faith and and what we do with it we it's like a muscle almost you know like the more you the more you work it out yeah the stronger it gets and so the bigger true, yeah. it gets and uh I just wonder how much you know even I've missed out on in life oh, yeah. because I couldn't just you know I'm and now my wife and I we're like like no, we're gonna have faith. We're gonna have faith. We're gonna believe. We're gonna believe. Yeah. And 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 even if God, in the end, decides no, we're still gonna believe. Yeah. Because we know He can. Yeah. And we're not gonna stop believing that He can. Yeah. Just because He doesn't doesn't mean we're not gonna stop believing that He can. Yeah. yeah. Amen. And um. So, well, man, now you're out of prison. Yep. And uh, you you at some point in in at some point out of prison, you better yourself by marrying this woman <laughs> right here in front of me. Uh, her name is Hope, and uh, so how did you guys meet? Hmm. And uh, and who wants to go for? It? I think well, you know I'm tired of listening to your voice, yeah. Paul. Yeah, yeah, so we're I gonna, agree. Um, we'll let her talk. So so Hope, <laughs> how did you meet Paul? Where are you from? And how many sisters, brothers, whatever do you have, real quick? And and then yes. how did you get you know how did you get messed up with this fellow? <laughs> <laughs> He's awesome. Um, yeah. So I'm Hope. I have two sisters we're an all-girl family um except for my dad and our dogs <laughs> wait what are your sisters name not faith and love right <laughs> no but okay. everyone asked that um, erica and jenny okay right. yeah so they have normal names but all of them are awesome so yeah so we have two different versions as to how me they're really Paul they're met. really the same they're pretty it's just similar one, one aspect. there's one factor that's very different anyway but yeah so um so basically, I was believing to um, accomplish a dream of mine, and um, I was at this conference away from my church, and they prayed for me, and uh, someone prophesied over me, and it was one of the only prophecies I've ever recorded, and I listened to it uh, frequently, and my, my dream was to work for Disney on Ice, and I had already auditioned, gotten no's. And um, so after they had prayed for me, like two months later, I got the job. Oh, because you're a figure skater. That yes. makes sense now. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. What yes. position were you applying for? Um, like, you which apply princess? for anything, Center. and anything? then they process okay. you in okay. there. So I got You'd to... You'd make a great Jasmine. I was Jasmine. <laughs> oh, yes. I, exactly. It was a huge blessing. Yeah, which, I mean, is another blessing of God. That's my dream princess, and that's who I got to be. So anyway, just a huge blessing, but... I was believing for that and they prayed for me and two months later I got that position. I got to work for Disney and it was an amazing dream and I came back on, on break between contracts and um, I'm at church and my church announced that they were having that conference again, that other church. So I went and um, the speaker was talking about this amazing guy. 
I was kind of writing notes and not paying attention. <laughs> but he went on about this amazing prison ministry and uh, was like, you know, I just want to give this great hand clap for Paul. I didn't know it was for Paul at the time. So I'm clapping. I'm like, who are we clapping for? <laughs> and so anyway, we listened to this amazing message. And afterwards, I talked to my pastors. I asked where they were going. And they said, oh, we're meeting with leadership. I was like, great. See you guys tomorrow. And um, I go, they're at Chili's. I didn't realize that. I go to pick up some to-go food at Chili's, and I had told the pastor of that church um, my testimony, thanked them for believing with me. And uh, they see me, and they're like, hey, Disney girl, come sit with us. You don't have to take food to go. <laughs> so I sit with some of the speakers and leadership, and as we're walking out, um, one of his uh, one of his mentors was banning. I'm talking with... Uh, Fanning Leapshire from Jesus Culture, and um, what a great mentor! Oh yeah, <laughs> amazing. Kind of lucky amazing one guy. over there. Yeah, yeah, he thought, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he looked out there. Bragger. Yeah, for real. So anyway, I'm I'm walking out, and my pastors are talking to Paul, and they're like, "You have got to come to our church. You have to come." He was like, "Oh, I, I live really far away. I'm in Sugarland. Our church is all the way closer to the woodlands." And they're like, "Hope comes." Hope lives in Sugarland, and she comes every single Sunday. <laughs> and so they introduced me, and uh, I realized he's coming with uh, Banning. And I'm like, oh, are you going back to California? And he goes, oh, no, I live in Sugarland. And I was like, you're the guy that we were clapping for. I would love to meet with you and get coffee and hear how you guys started that. And I kind of said that. <laughs> I kind of said that with the Holy Spirit. That's not something I would normally yeah. say. I wouldn't normally ask someone ask to a get guy together out on a coffee date. Right. So yeah. I didn't see it as that. And he kind of goes, "Uh, sure. What's uh, what's your number?" And I'm like, "Oh, oh, backtrack." In my brain, I'm like, "That's not what I meant." <laughs> backtrack, backtrack, backtrack. So embarrassing. And uh, so anyway, we exchanged numbers, and I'm like, "I am not." going to ask to get together i'm not i'm not going to reinforce this in any way that was so embarrassing <laughs> and uh he texts me two weeks later and he's like hey do you still want to get together and i'm two like two weeks you waited two weeks, two weeks. what is you wrong know, with you, gotta, you? See, you gotta weeks. make them wait you know? <laughs> okay you all right you can't make it seem like you know you're <laughs> you don't want to seem too desperate <laughs> definitely so um you know he texts me and i'm like sure that i would i would still love to hear about how you guys started it because, you know, Banning had just gone on and on about these ministries. And I was like, that's amazing. Like, how did they start all of that in prison of all places? And um, so anyway, I tried to bring friends with me because I'm like, I want to make this as least amount like a date as yeah. possible. Because <laughs> this is so awkward. I just asked this random person out. Um, and it's funny because it hadn't occurred to me when I was talking to them that he was young and that this could come across that way yeah but thank god it did and so of course none of my friends are available i asked my best friend she's like i'm working i asked my sister she's oh, working that's great so i end up going and um you know we just we got to tell our our stories our dreams i got to hear a little bit about his background and um it, he just i he honestly kind of shook up my brain of what that kind of background looked like yeah and um, was that the first time you heard about his criminal past i heard about the criminal past i hadn't heard details yet okay i mean i knew it had to be something kind of big and that was kind of the extent of what i knew and 
Um, he just struck me as someone just strong leader, a very humble person, and lots of things on my list in in a way that in a person I wasn't expecting. Yeah. And so he walked me to my car, and I just prayed, Lord, if you want me to be with someone that has a background like that, just open my heart and make that true to me. Wow. And um, so you had a list. You had a list. Yeah. Because <laughs> I, I had a list. Oh yeah. I had oh a man. List. You know, I, I had a list. Uh, uh, Don Don Atkins had a list too for Ron. Uh, she <laughs> had know? some very specific. Yeah, things. it's a very specific <laughs> list. I had a list too, and I tell everybody, look, mm-hmm. if you're not married yet and you're not in a relationship, even if you're in a relationship and you never made a list, make a list of your expectations of the opposite sex of who you want, and and yeah. see if they line up with what you want. And if they don't, you're wasting your time, you yeah. know, or you're yeah. going to make it hard on yourself. And yeah. so, so what were some of the things that he checked off on your <laughs> list? So I um. I wanted someone that was more stubborn and stronger than me, <laughs> spiritually, okay. emotionally, physically, in certain ways, you know. Um, I'm a very stubborn person. I wanted <laughs> <laughs> someone that could help with that, <laughs> someone I could follow. Gotcha. Um, I kind of felt whenever I would go out to try to see if something was clicking, I always kind of felt like um, spiritually, emotionally, leadership-wise, I was the leader. But he had accomplished many things that I've yet to accomplish. So that stood out. Um, he was a very humble person, and he was someone that had such a strong relationship with the Lord that um, that was kind of astounding to see. Yeah. So I was kind of like, wow, this kind of came out of nowhere. I was in between tours. I had no interest in dating at that time. I was going to, you know, when you tour, you travel long distance. You don't come home for almost a year to half a year at a time. So, you know, I wasn't in a looking period. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Neither was yeah, I. Yeah, he wasn't either. That's, that's when God brings them to us. Yeah. <laughs> that's when yeah. it happens. So he was that's looking awesome. for a church, and I was like, I go to a great church where you met those pastors. You should come. And, yeah, it was just, it was the beginning of a, a whole new process for us. Did he say, uh, that's kind of too far to drive? Or, <laughs> or was he okay with driving once he knew you went there? We were going to meet up, and I actually missed that and overslept and didn't even make it she, to that point. She, like, to be honest, she didn't try too hard in the beginning. He worked like, very hard. He was great. She was supposed to pick me up. We were supposed to meet, and she was supposed to pick me up and go to the church together. She totally forgot. Oh, man. And, it's overslept bad. and really bad um <laughs> wow but yeah so that's that's how we met you know I, I i can agree that's that's pretty now what's the one thing that y'all say that is different nah she's because she always tells every every time she tells a story she says like i i didn't mean to ask him out i, I mistakenly kind of asked him out like, it really she, wasn't purposeful she knew what she was doing <laughs> So he tells everyone, like, she asked me out first. That was the beginning of it all. <laughs> what do you think when she asked you out? I Like she said, I was kind of like, okay, all right. I mean, she was pretty. You know, I was like, wow, she's pretty. And, you know, uh, I guess, yeah. But what did you think about the boldness? No, nah, I mean. Did it, did it, did it like, go, okay, this, this girl's this bold just to ask me on a date. You know what? I mean, did it make you think anything, or did you like it? Was that was that attractive to you? That I mean, honestly, I didn't. I didn't really. I I, I joke around, but I I knew. I feel like she was genuine in that she wanted to hear about the ministry. Yeah. Um. So that's why. That's kind of like why I waited two weeks too, because I was like, does she really want to just? I, I think she just wants to hear about the ministry, or you know, is there a chance that this could like turn into something? Yeah. So I was like, you know, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna text her because there there might be a chance. So, 
Maybe yeah. maybe in her mind she was just asking because it was all ministry minded, but maybe the Holy Spirit was like, right, saying, so no, nope, you need to ask this guy out. Come on, I'm gonna help you. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's, yeah. that's what we uh, that's I guess, cool agree on. What's funny is I was like a major. I don't know. My major standpoint in dating was like, you never, as a girl, start that process. And if yeah. they don't start it, psh, bye. Yeah. So it's kind of funny. I think God had almost kind of tricked God me to God loves start to that. get us out of our <laughs> whatever on. comfort yes. zone or change our plans, get yeah. us a, shake our mindset up. I love, I love it when he does that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, all right. So that was the beginning. Mm-hmm. When did it start to get more than just, you know, interest in ministry and friends and all that stuff? Mm. I would say, you know, after that first date, she wouldn't call it that, but uh, it was that. <laughs> I paid for the food. And, oh, it was a mean, date then. Yeah. If you paid for it, it's a date. <laughs> it was a date. <laughs> um, you know, after that first date, you know, I just got to kind of hear her story and, and her uh, her passion, you know, for, for the Lord yeah. and kind of what God was doing in her life. You know, I was like, man. And she's, she's a princess. Yeah. She's a, she's a Disney <laughs> princess. and. She just, uh, you know, what really stood out to me after that, you know, first date was her conviction. Yeah. I was like, man, this is a woman that that has strong mm. convictions and follows them. Um, so that's what really attracted me to her. Um, and, uh, you know. She's got a great smile, too. She does. And she's, <laughs> she's pretty. She's very pretty. Thank you. Um, and so she actually invited me to something the next night. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right. All so right. she she is she did kind of like take so, take the okay. Take wow. The so first <laughs> date and second date. Wow. Was, okay. was when did you get to ask her out, bro? <laughs> he did nothing. No, I'm just kidding. No, I'm like a big like pull people into community. He had he was kind of at least the impression I got. He was kind of without community in the areas we we lived in. Yeah. And I don't know. That's something I've always been passionate about is if people don't have people to call home or hang out with, like, you're missing out on so much. It's tough when you when you go to church somewhere further away from where you live. Even our guys yeah. in Forgiven Felons, Gator and Mouse and all those guys, you know, they, they love Trinity because it, it's kind of the same DNA as, like, Bill Johnson's church. You know, in mm. fact, Bill's spoken there quite a bit. And... You know, but we're 40 minutes away, mm-hmm. you know, and so it's we're, like we're 40 minutes. So now. they're like they got to drive to go to the prayer meetings. They got to and then they get mm-hmm. off work at 530, six o'clock. And then so it's so far. And then even the small groups, you know, nobody drives as far as they do for small groups. So it's just it's hard to connect and it's hard to it is, it is hard to create that community. So you yep. became his community, right? <laughs> yes. She helped get me into community. I brought him in. That's awesome. Yeah. But um, yeah. So when did so, it go to the next level? Um, and it took what four months. So we met. No, like two weeks in. Now, what are your parents? What are your parents? Oh, your parents gosh. are in church. Your parents are in church, right? My and parents are believers. Believers, and they're they're when you first introduce them, say, "Hey, Dad, I asked this this guy out a couple <laughs> times. I hope you don't mind. Uh, he's been to prison. How do you? How do you? You know, this is this is a story. This is a testimony. Yeah, for real. It's a real testimony. So, um, like I said, I I hadn't date dated or had a boyfriend i had gone out with people but i had not had a yes from god on anyone and um and so it didn't take i'm very close to my parents so it didn't take very long for them to notice that i mean i was interested and uh they were kind of like you went out with someone alone right away (laughs) what um she, she didn't ride in cars with guys 
Yeah. All right. So that's this I is it. like I got yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. To give you some con like prior to working with Disney, I didn't ride with even friends that I knew that were guys until I'd known them like three months. I never talked to especially men after ten thirty. Um, and so when I started touring, all of my hours, all of my boundaries had to reshape. And yeah. so I came back and I was riding with him in the car and I was talking to him at midnight. And my parents were kind of like, who are you? <laughs> like, has he changed you? <laughs> that that I was like, I had corrupted their so daughter. So now, yeah, exactly, yep. exactly. So, yeah, That's the way her dad looked at me. <laughs> so, oh, man. yeah, I started, you know, they knew I was interested. I had, you know, spoken a little bit about a story and they're like, you don't know details yet, though. And I was like, no, not yet. So, you know, as I start to find out details, I had told him about his whole testimony. And, you know, they were big believers that people could be redeemed, but that didn't really matter as far as their child was yeah. considered. So, yeah, they were um, they're pretty upset. It's, it's one thing to say that, yeah. but then when you have to start walking it out, yeah, it's a whole different yeah. story that, that you believe people could be redeemed. But, mm. but, you know, not the person who wants to date my daughter. You know? <laughs> right. Right. So they had a lot of concerns. And, you know, I think Paul was hoping if he met my dad that that would kind of help. But that went a little rough, <laughs> too. So we actually he came to church and after service, we he pulled me into a side room. And, oh, wow. Well, because I think I had told Hope, hey, I, w I want to talk to your dad yeah. like one on one. Let me talk to him. And so he came to church and we went to the side office and we had that conversation and yeah, it didn't it didn't really go the way, you know, I was hoping. You know, he kinda voiced his concern and mm -hmm. and I I I just told him, Hey, this is I I'm a born born again. My past is my past and um just give me give me a chance, right? Just just let me let me show you who I am. Um so we, we left that conversation with his agreement to okay, you know, I'll I'll give you I'll give you some time. We'll see. Um Yeah, very strict. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, what really um, hmm. broke it was, and this is this is powerful. So she, you know, she gets another contract. So she leaves for Disney. And um, we had already kind of expressed that, you know, we liked each other and, and we wanted to, I, I, that we wanted to date and, and become official boyfriend, girlfriend. Um, but she, she left. And so. Not yet. Um, we hadn't. Not till after. Not till after what? We had not expressed that we were going to okay. like formally date. Well, she was like, okay, well, let's continue to get to know each other. Right. You know. So I'm, I'm, I'm driving to Huntsville, right, to go into one of the units, and uh, I'm meeting up with Charlie. And uh, I pick him up, and we're, we're going, I think, the Estelle unit. We're on our way to the Estelle unit, and um, uh, he's, he's right in the back seat, and I tell him the story of, so her mom actually texted me out the blue and it was like hey you know can we meet for tea and I was like okay sure so we meet for tea and um, and she she apologizes oh wow and she uh, literally asks for my forgiveness and says hey Paul like you know this is not who I am uh, I allowed fear to kind of you know dictate you know how I how I received you and how I responded to you and uh, I just want to ask for your forgiveness, wow. and can we start over? And I mean, Jay, that was that was wow. powerful. I don't yeah. know that I've had you know somebody that was older 
like ask for my forgiveness mm. and that just that that really impacted me and i was like of course and so we hugged and uh I actually got to pray for her for healing because mm. she had been struggling with a, a, a sickness and she she got like a, a very immediate measurable mm. healing so from from that from over so tea good. and uh, yeah her her and her, her dad started going like she started like having energy again and they so like her dad texted me like a few days later and was like hey I just want to say thank you for praying for my wife like her life is is has changed and and we we went to the astros game playoff game this is when they were in the world like in the playoffs and they won the world series and cheers (laughs) (laughs) hey no everybody's doing that um anyways so but he he texted me and thanked me and so that's really what kind of i guess softened their hearts to me wow and um so anyways that's uh and then you know she texted me again like later and we met over tea again and so it was just god reconciled you know this that our relationship but anyway so again i was in huntsville and uh i told i was telling charlie that testimony of how you know her mom texted me and now like we're, we're getting along we're hanging out i'm going over to their house and uh by and this, this all time, happened while i'm gone yeah so wow. i mean there's she no reason gone. for them to have contact at this point she wasn't pushing it right she wasn't like hey you know mom like you know go reach you while know. i'm gone can you go apologize yeah. can you go talk to <laughs> my possible future boyfriend <laughs> so like i'm going over to their house now and she's not even here but i'm just going to hang out with you know her parents and oh man um so i tell charlie and he's like hey paul like turn on the music i gotta tell you something i was like what's up he's like so when you know you first met hope and you know her parents were tripping about you and it was just pretty rough because like anyways he's like i was i prayed to god and i said god would you confirm the relationship uh with hope and paul by her parents Mm. reconciling with paul while hope is gone so that you know you can't give credit to hope like she was like trying to force it like let it be done when she's gone Wow, and and so that's that was like my confirmation because on my way to Huntsville that day I prayed out loud in my car I was like God if she's the one or if she's like you know if this is something I need to pursue or you want me to pursue make it make it clear like because she had just left for tour her parents didn't like me to, so I was like God you gotta you know make yeah. this clear yeah. and then just a couple wow. hours later Charlie tells me that and I'm like isn't that great wow. Yeah. <laughs> it was amazing. It was amazing. God loves you so much, man. Mm-hmm. He's he's so good. He's it's so good. Incredible. And now they love him. I mean, yeah. And my mom told me she was like, "I'm going to apologize." The Lord's convicted me, and I mean, I wouldn't even say my mom was mean or anything. She just didn't welcome him in like she normally would. Right. You know, where she normally welcome other people in our lives. So, yeah, it was. Really so cool. what was the what was the turnaround for your dad? Um, I think he meant what he said that he would see and over time you know Paul really showed himself to be an amazing man of God and that he really cared about you know me and that he really was going to do the right thing and love me and protect me and so I think over time my dad just said okay we'll see and um, you know obviously my mom you know believing okay like you know I still question things but I'm not going to treat him differently because the Lord actually said to her, you know, what if he questions his renewal 
in me because of you. Mm. And she said, Lord, I can't ever be a person that causes that or, or makes someone question their identity, yeah, their yeah, new yeah. identity. You and so the Lord had spoken that to her, and that's what caused her. And she actually was like, I feel like the Lord told me we're supposed to play together, almost like hang out. So she was like, I don't even know. This is going to be so awkward, but the, I'm going to do this in obedience. Like, we're going to go to a bounce house or get food or something. Oh, We wow. went to a trampoline, one of those like a trampoline, trampoline park. Parks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it was the most awkward thing, but I mean, it was it was amazing because like oh, you know she so was cool. just like being obedient to the Lord and it was like, hey, let's go hang out and I feel like we should go you know to a trampoline park and mm-hmm. just have fun and get to know each other and hang out and yeah. so I'm I walk into this trampoline park and it's nothing but kids and I'm walking in with like a you know a older middle aged <laughs> white woman <laughs> and I'm like I'm in my thirties. Oh my <laughs> gosh, and, so funny, but. Yeah, it was it was fun. Yeah. So, so now, how long have y'all been married? <laughs> One, One year. What? As of four days four ago. Four days ago. Yeah, Congratulations! Yeah. I knew the first time I interviewed y'all only been like married like a few months. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so we we made it a year. A you year. Know? Awesome. Woo-hoo. Congratulations! Did y'all do anything to celebrate? We <laughs> we watched yeah. Top Gun the movie. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what a great movie! Good movie. A really good movie. That's yeah. a great way to. Did you ever see the first one? Yeah, I we did it. after. <laughs> I had seen the first one. She hadn't. So after yeah. we watched Top Gun the Maverick, yeah. we went home and watched the the first one. Yeah. So I bet a, a few things made more sense yes. after you watched it. Yeah. Yes. Great. Both great movies. Yeah. Both yeah. great movies. Good movies. Um, so. Speak to the people listening that are in jail right now, whether they're female, whether they're male, either one of y'all can speak from a relational marital, like, am I ever going to meet the right guy? Mm. Am I, you know, does God still have somebody for me because of my past? You know, y'all just kind of speak relational Mm. life into, into single people right now that might be, um, that might be wondering if God does somebody have, has, have somebody for me or, you know, um, I've, I've been out with some guys, but haven't really got that feeling you know so uh speak to them you know i would i would really want to encourage um the guys especially like focus on you you know um kind of like what you were saying earlier you know it's like god brings you know our, our 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 spouse or you know the people into our lives when we're not looking and and i really believe that to be true is like you know when i was locked up I, you know, the temptation was always there, right, to start a relationship, you know, um, but I, I just, you know, I made up my mind, I'm not going to, I'm going to wait till I get out, um, and I'm just going to focus on me, right, I, I want to grow as a man, um, and I want to focus on my relationship with God, and uh, I just know, I know, I, I, I believe deeply in the goodness of God, right, He's our Father, yeah. And he wants us to have a spouse, right? He wants us to have a partner for life. So I, I, I can leave that in his hands and, and I can just focus on him. And when I get out, you know, they're, they're going to come. And so, and, and that's, that was my experience is that, you know, I got out and like we, like we said earlier, I wasn't looking, she wasn't looking and Holy Spirit made it happen, right? He'll, he'll, yeah. he'll put words in people's mouths yeah, to make things absolutely. happen. Absolutely. So. Definitely. I would just encourage, yeah, the the guys like, man, just just keep your focus on the Lord, and you know, like he says, you know, seek first His kingdom, His righteousness, and and all these things will be added to you. Um, and and I believe that includes, you know, a spouse. Yeah. Uh, Amen. 
Definitely. I would encourage people, you know, no matter what season you're in, especially ladies, um, that settling is never better. Mm. You know, uh, being in marriage now for a year, not that we've been married that long, you know, marriage is forever. And how they live, what they believe, um, how they treat you and how they grow affects you deeply. And there's no way for it not to. And so, you know, I would believe something I prayed um, from sometime young on was that, Lord, never let me be with the wrong person or the person that's not you, God. And um, I think he, he was very true to do that. And he stopped me repeatedly. And so I think if you ask God, don't let me be with someone that's not your choice or not someone you approve of, God, make that clear and you mean that, he will do it. He will show you clarity. He will show you and give you peace on the right people. And meanwhile, you know, marriage and relationships and dating is amazing, but it is not the all-in answer. And, you know, so just focusing on your relationship with God and your callings, because once you do get married and date, your life does change. And so God may have callings for you and things for you to do in this season that may not work very well in your future season with people. And so it doesn't really matter what your background is, you know, do what you're called to do now and don't let your focus on a relationship ahead of time take away from what's happening now and your satisfaction in your life and and how you see yourself and you know if you are in a season where it's god's just not moving things forward you know start just doing things like paul said working on yourself and with god with yeah. god's very important yep and you know believe for him to give you the best and anytime the enemy tries to tell you that you know you don't deserve best anymore or it's time to settle for someone that's not god's best Um, you know, reject that, walk away from it however you need to. And, you know, just believe God will, will bring his timing in for the right person. That's tough because, you know, I want to expound on that because the devil has Mm -hmm. a will for your life too. Yes. And the devil will send his best to try to detract you from what God has for you. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the devil's best looks like 99% of what God wants for you. Mm Mm-hmm. In every in every lie, there's the devil has. There's always a little nugget of truth. That's how he gets you to believe the lie. So when he's trying to present something as a distraction, because mm-hmm. he doesn't want you to fall for the woman or the man God has for you, he's gonna put his best foot forward. Mm-hmm. He's gonna call his best actor, his best Jasmine Princess uh, skater. <laughs> he's gonna put his best foot forward to try to get you to settle. Yeah. And he's going to dress it up so so well that you almost think it's God because it checks off some of the things on the list. Right. But I tell people, look, if it doesn't check all the things you wrote down, be careful. Yeah. Because that one thing left unchecked, you know, could mean the difference between what God has for you and what and the devil's distraction. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Do you still do Disney? No. I'm retired you because retired? I mean it would it would mean <laughs> no <laughs> it would mean Disney. it would mean um, you know like I said the contracts uh, actually right after we met I signed an 11 and a half month contract so you know it really it's hard on relationships oh yeah kudos oh, yeah. to him he was great but 
yeah, it's it's not ideal for marriage life. No, so. no, I get it. Um, I've taken my daughters to see Disney on ice, and they they love, especially the Jasmine Princess. They love Princess it's Jasmine. Fun. So, um, yeah, they're going to freak out when I take a, a selfie with you. Oh. So this is Princess Jasmine. <laughs> I wonder if they saw the show that she was they in. They probably have. Did yeah. you did you do one in Dallas? Allen. I did one in Allen, Texas. No, this would have been in, in, in downtown Dallas. Oh, down no. at the At the Stars, no. the American Airlines Center. Oh, actually, yeah. We did one there. Really? Yeah? Yeah. yeah. It was a couple of years Maybe. ago. Yeah. Could have been. That'd be about right, probably. I have to go back and look at my video. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Um, Well, uh, maybe maybe on the show page when we're posting pictures of him in prison and all that, (laughs) we can have a picture of you. I don't know if you have a picture of you dressed up as Jasmine or anything. Yeah. (laughs) Perfect. Perfect. Let's put the pictures to use. Um, All right. Well, if there's anything you guys, you know, if you guys want people to follow you on social media, just let us know. We'll put. Put your links on the, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if, I don't know if y'all use your social media to encourage people or whatever. Mm-hmm. If yeah. you want that, then uh, let us know. We'll put your links on our show page and people can follow you and um, learn awesome. more about you. If there's, uh, you know, if you want to give a shout out to your church, we can put your church link on there as well. Yeah. So okay. uh, awesome. just let us know. And thank you guys so much for being open, transparent, and uh, just spirit filled. And just thank you for. Uh, the the lives that you're going to impact for your story that you mm-hmm. shared today. Thank you for being patient while Paul, you know, <laughs> took almost an hour to share his story. I love that story. Um, it's a good it's, story. It's a great story, and and I'm glad you're part of his story. Mm. And uh, me too. God is, God's going to do. He's already done great things with you guys and through you, and uh, he's got he, the best is yet to come. Amen. So, Amen. Uh, Thank I speak, you, Jay. I speak next level blessing on you guys as you as you move forward and i speak uh open doors that you have only imagined about and the verse that comes to mind right now is exceedingly abundantly above all that you can think or imagine and i feel Mm. like he's telling me to tell you to 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 stretch your imagination Mm. stretch Mm. your imagination thank you so all right thank you guys for letting us do a background check on you you both pass so uh He said you have to do one every year. Why do you have to do one every year? As a coach, we have to pass a certain amount of training and backgrounds. That makes sense. All that jazz. Did they, did they, does marrying a felon, did that hinder your background checks? Nah. Nah. Nah, we're all dead. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you guys so much. Absolutely. Thank you. Man, I pray this story uh, brought a little hope to you, pun intended. (laughs) No matter where you are in life, um, if you have a need, God is ready to provide a miracle. You know, I, I listened to John Maxwell uh, recently, and he said the the main uh, the main thing, essential ingredient for a miracle is a need. He studied all the miracles of the New Testament, and Old Testament, and the one thing they all had in common was they all started out with a problem or a need. So if you have a problem, God's ready to do a miracle. If you have a need, God's ready to do a miracle. So don't give up hope. Do your part. He also says every miracle has, um, you know, parts in it that everybody's responsible for. God does his part. Sometimes we forget to do ours. So we got to be willing to do our part and the miracle will happen. Just watch. Maybe, maybe not how you think it will happen, but it'll happen. All right. Let's pray over Paul and Hope. Father, in Jesus name, thank you for Paul and Hope. Thank you for what they do for the kingdom. Thank you that they are just this amazing, amazing servant leaders for the kingdom of God. Thank you for their church. Thank you for their parents. 
Thank you, Lord, for all the miracles. You're not done with miracles in their life and their marriage. You're not done with them, Lord. Thank you that they're going to see miracles like they've never seen before in the ministry that they do and things that they do and places they go. Thank you, Lord, for their story. Thank you, Lord, for your story through them. And uh, we just believe that, that, that the best is yet to come for Paul and Hope. Father, we lift up the listener that's listening to this story right now. Wherever they are, Lord, we ask you to give them hope. Instill in them hope. Let the story of Paul and Hope bring, bring them um, a new sense of direction, hope, peace. Um, Father, we just pray wherever they are, Lord, whether somebody's about to commit suicide, contemplating suicide in their, in their, in their prison, in their cell, uh, out here in the world, whether somebody's in a broken relationship and they're about to start drinking again because they, they're, they're, they've lost all hope. Lord, we speak life into those situations right now. We speak life into those situations, into that prison cell, into that car, into that bed, uh, into, that, into that grocery store where somebody's about to buy and relapse with alcohol. We speak life. We speak freedom. We speak freedom. In Jesus' name, Lord, we thank you for everyone listening. I pray that you give them their breakthrough, whatever it is they need. Whatever their miracle is that they need, I pray that you provide that miracle for them. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we love y'all. Um, have a good week. Next week, we've got another episode coming. Pray for us. Pray for uh, 100K so we can give something away. <laughs> um, if you want to be a sponsor of the show, man, come on. Be a sponsor of the show. If you want to be a sponsor for North Texas Giving Day, we have some different levels you can be. So get in contact with us. And uh, thank you for listening. Don't, uh, don't forget, don't let your background, whatever that background is, whatever that background is, don't, don't let it hold you back, but make it pay you back. See y'all later. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Background Check Podcast brought to you by Forgiven Felons, helping people with the past realize their future. For more information, please visit ForgivenFelons.org. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and please don't forget to subscribe so you'll never miss the latest episode. I'm J.D. Gum, and this has been Background Check.